Welcome to Holistic Human Performance Podcast. My name is Jenna Bradshaw, where we talk all things holistic health, wellness, spirituality, fitness, meditation, energetics, and so much more to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Let's dive in. This is not medical advice. This is simply to help you on your journey through health, fitness, and wellness. I hope this helps. You can complement this with anything that you are doing currently in your life. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Holistic Human Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Bradshaw, and today we have a very special guest. We met through the nonprofit organization called Stupid Cancer a while back. This was a couple years now, and we've stayed in touch ever since. We have been following each other on Instagram and our stories and I'm really glad that we were able to connect um, virtually, really. We were sharing our cancer stories, and I am so pleased to have on Harjeet Kaur, and she will be sharing her story with us and her journey, what she's gone through, and I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome. Thanks, Ansha. It's it's a great pleasure to be here, you know, giving me this opportunity through your platform. And yes, we connected two years back at yep. Stupid Cancer Con, Digital Con. And, and now we follow each other on Instagram. We've been knowing each other since, you know, that Instagram connection. And uh, yeah, here I am. I'm ready to share my cancer journey, a grim battle. So I am from Canada. I, I'm in Alberta, Calgary. And I was, I moved to Canada in 2018, hoping to, you know, settle down, having a new career, having a family. But I think life had different plans for me. Mm. So I moved here in May 2018. And May 2019, I started having some fevers. And being a young adult, I was, I was just 32. And uh, we went to emergencies, we went to see our doctor. And everybody was telling us that, you know, you just have fevers, you don't have anything else. So, uh, you know, you can just stay at home and take Tylenol. It might be a viral infection or, you know, fever might take time to go. You know, to going on and off through emergency rooms and doctor visits, no one had any answers why I was having fever. It took almost three months three months so I was in hospital for two and a half months wow I was having I was having so high fevers and I started having chills rigor episodes and my fever went up to like 41 42 wow and at that time we I remember we used to do so many emergency visits back to back and I know the health system in Canada is different than U.S. Mm -hmm. and um, so yeah going on back and forth to emergency, to hospital, to doctors. No one took me seriously at that time. Maybe they never thought that what it would be, right? And two and a half months staying in hospital, getting all the biopsies, MRIs, PET scans, all my blood work, everything was going on. I was treated as like, you know, the patient 
who's researched, like they even don't know what's going on in my body. They mm. did a couple of scans, test everything. And one fine day, uh, it was my skin biopsy. That was the last biopsy I had on 27th of August. Um, uh, it was mid of August they did the biopsy. So until June, so May end, uh, June first week, I admitted to the hospital. And until August, they were just, you know, trying to figure it out. What is it? Mm. And August 28th, when my life completely flipped upside down, I was told that I had stage four subcutaneous panicolitis T-cell lymphoma. Wow. It's a rare type of cancer, blood cancer, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. When I was told that, I honestly didn't believe because just before the diagnosis came, we were about to, you know, discharge from the hospital. My husband was like advocating because we were not getting any answers about my sickness. And I was so weak and tired with all that, that we were thinking of going back to India and, you know, and get myself treated there. And we were ready to, you know, leave the hospital. We were planning to book a flight to India. And all of a sudden on 28th of August, you know, doctor came in and she said that you are diagnosed with stage four and honestly I was I never thought that it would be cancer honestly who who thinks that right right but but staying in hospital for two and a half months and you know you're telling me that you have stage four I was like how come stage four and maybe that was because there might be some kind of a you know gap in my you know the, the treatment process or how the testing went through and the diagnosis. Right. I was told that my condition is very bad and I need to get the treatment ASAP. And yeah, I was some, I was uh, sent to hematology department. They started the treatment and the first three chemos uh, went okay. And I still used to get fevers after that. After my chemos, I still used to get fevers. My body was just, you know, getting weak and weak. And after three chemos, they did a PET scan again, and they found out that the chemo is not working. And I have this uh, immune um, HLH. It's an autoimmune uh, disease, mm. which which is like they fight your good, they fight your good cells in the body. They eat your good cells. So. The, most of the chemo is working on my cancer cells, but most of the chemo is not working. So my some of the cancer cells are reacting to the chemo and some are not, and they are aggressive. So I went to the hospital and I went and I saw my oncologist and he was like, I gave it, I gave you two options. Either we can go for a stem cell transplant, which can give you a little life, longer life. Second, we can go on doing chemotherapy and see how your body can take it I was not sure honestly I really was I I was not able to you know when I was told that I have cancer mm -hmm. I was not able to process that <clears throat> right and then telling me that you know I just you have just have two options yeah to live or survive Ugh. anybody would choose you know to live so right. I told them okay you know we'll go for a stem cell transplant Mm. And I was lucky that my brother was my stem cell transplant donor. He was my hundred percent match. Wow. Uh, and I have full body chills right now. <laughs> so I had like, he was my donor. And today it's my three year stem cell transplant rebirth day. 
I am honored to even have you on right now. Congratulations. Thank you. 14th of April, April 2020 was my stem cell transplant. Wow. So yeah, following that, I they were the plan was to give me um like the harsh chemo, the aggressive chemo, so that I can go for a partial remission before stem cell. So it was all 2019, and December 2019 was part of my uh, six chemos over, and I had to go to a different city where I am right now, Calgary. So they have a bigger cancer center over here, and they do stem cell transplant over here. So I had to come over here to get my tests done and scans done and everything. And I still remember on the table when the doctor was discussing it, I had my full support to, you know, my family, my husband, my brother, my parents, my close friends, everybody was there with me during that time. I had like a good support system during that time, which I really needed. Oh, thank God. And I still remember when the, you know, the, the oncologist of my stem cell transplant told us on a table that, you know, I just want to tell you guys that we will be doing the stem cell transplant. It's a rare cancer. It's a stage four. And uh, there might be chances of 15% death in her chance, but she's young. So she might fight over it, but it would be a difficult road ahead. That was December 2020, December 2019 and Jan 2020. They started giving me aggressive chemos just to make sure that I'm in partial remission. They changed the chemos because my PET scan showed some kind of progress. And uh, so they changed the chemo drugs. They changed my regimen. I used to get every week chemo. Earlier, it was every three weeks. Then they started giving me every week. During this whole process, I was told that I am into pre-menopause. You know, I went to menopause. I lost my fertility. My ovaries were not working. And during this process, I was also told that I can't be pregnant after stem cell. I could not process that because my goal was to get better after my treatment. But, you know, with time passed by, I was like, I don't know what would my future look like. And January 2020, I started having this blurry vision in my right eye. And all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I was like, I can't see from my right eye. And I told my doctors about it that, you know, I'm having this blurry vision. And they said that it might be because of the chemo drug. And after all that week passed by, I was told that I have to see an ophthalmologist because they feel that it's lymphoma in my eye. So they need to do a biopsy. Oh my goodness. I was shattered because I was going through one thing and then I was supposed to get my stem cell transplant so that I can have partial remission. And now another thing came up and I was just worried. I, I, my life was like, you know, I was just going on. I didn't want to share or express my feeling that time because I think I was not ready that time. And Absolutely. Yeah. It's very traumatic. And I just went to the ophthalmologist, they did a biopsy, and after a week, the result came and they told us that it's a CMV retinitis, which generally is an infection which can happen to an immune system, which is very low, like cancer patients, and it can happen to anyone, but it's it was just delayed, that's why the vision is lost, and we can't do much about it now, but then they wanted to treat my right eye so that I can protect my left eye so every week I used to get injections in my eye to treat that virus 
Oh my goodness. Along with that, I used to get chemotherapy too, because my pets, my stem cell was due in March, 2020. I think my life was like really stuck between all these things. And then when COVID came, March, 2020, COVID came and my it was delayed for like two weeks. My stem cell were delayed for two weeks. I did have my chemotherapy treatment in Feb, my injections in my eye on Feb, March, and March end was my stem cell, but it was delayed until April. And the whole globally, everybody was, you know, shut down. COVID shut down. And my hospital where we were supposed to move for my stem cell, my family was planning to move to the city for three months because it was like, you have to get the stem cell and then you have to stay for 100 days in the area. And yeah, and I was told that I have to go through all this alone by myself. I was admitted to hospital on 4th of April, 2020, all alone. And honestly, when I entered the building, I thought that I'll never come back from that building. I was all alone, fighting every day. I was given seven days of nonstop chemo and radiation, my whole immune system was completely killed so that the new stem cells can be given to me. I honestly not never thought that I'll be back from that. But I'm happy. You look amazing and you're that. back. I fought that. Those 30 days were so challenging and were so difficult for me, like all by myself, doing all the treatment, no one to hug me, no one to hold me. I don't know how I survived those 30 days. I think it was just, you know, the will, the willpower, will yep. the willpower, the hope that I have to be back with my family. I have to, I have to get up and go. I, I I still, you know, I get those goosebumps and stuff when I think about stem cell. But here I am, three years down the road, you know, blessed and grateful to still have this life to get the second chance in life not everyone gets that and after a year or so after stem cell I started writing my blog you know being vocal about my journey thought that you know that was kind of a healing thing for me when I started talking about it more I connected with different communities like stupid cancer yak Canadian Cancer Society and the strange part is I connected with so many people and built so many cancer connections. And I'm glad that, you know, I'm in that kind of a world where I can talk to people who are going through the same thing and they understand each other. But I'm not able to find any single person who had a similar type of cancer. No, nope. yes. I had I had blood cancer. I had leukemia at age three and a half. And that was literally a near it was a near death experience. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but I, I can't say that I've come across anyone. And listen, we all come here on this earth, right? To, we go through these adversities and each of us has to handle it in a different way mm -hmm. that is presented to us. And I'm really, really grateful for you to come on here and share your story for others. And who knows, maybe they're all, you know, someone who's listening maybe mm -hmm. has a similar experience to yours. Now, here's my question. What were you like before cancer? And what kind of person are you like now? And was there a shift in energy, personality, mindset? I want to hear it. So honestly, 
everything changed physically, mentally, everything has changed. I was a girl who was, you know, who had long hair and stuff. And we used to just live life, enjoy life, going out, eating everything, anything, just, you know. And when I got to know that I had cancer, I was like, you know, maybe my lifestyle did it. Maybe there's something which I did it. And I literally asked this question to my doctor and he was like, no, it's nothing like you did it something, mm. you know? And I always thought in my mind that cancer can always come to a person who has a family history or, you know, because I come from a background in India where I didn't have any of my family member which had cancer mm. apart from my uh, grandmother, but she had a breast cancer at the age of 60. And I was like, I don't know. And I always used to blame myself you know, maybe it's it was me who did that. But with the time, I understood that it wasn't me. I think it was meant to be that, you know, I had to go through these struggles to make your journey more stronger. My It's my journey. I've learned a lot of things from my journey too. that willpower, that strength, you know, obviously it's taking time. I'm not the same person. I'm not like normal before. I no. have that strength, but I am getting back to it slowly, taking one step at a day, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there have been a physical changes, which now I accept it. There yeah. was time when I didn't have my hair and, you know, I it was really difficult for me to cope up with that because that's something which you feel like, you know, you've seen that thing growing. So that thing and mentally it has taken so many things from me like you know the last three years COVID I vision loss menopause so many things have changed and especially my anger and anxiety thing I, I still do take there I do go for therapies I do consulting I am yeah. on anti-anxiety pills there are good days and bad days like last week has been really challenging for me because I had my PET scan I do get every year PET scan yep I do get three months follow-up and because it's a rare cancer because the symptoms were just fever so yeah if I have something going on my oncologist will be like okay we are doing this testing we are doing that testing so there have been very challenging weeks for me. There are good days and bad days. And I'm happy that, you know, I'm just living my life. Mm-hmm. I And I do think about cancer. I do think that, you know, my life has completely changed. But I feel that, you know, I'm blessed, mm-hmm. you know, because there are people around who didn't get, who don't even get this chance to, you know, get out of cancer, who don't even and survive live. cancer and yeah. live. So I'm here. I'm blessed. And grateful and I'm trying my best to get that strength back in my body mm-hmm. so yeah oh your story is incredible question do you do you have like a routine or kind of ritual before you go to get your pet scan or your oncologist yeah so I'm a believer in God and mm-hmm. I'm from India so we do follow you know rituals and stuff so and being a, I don't know how much you know about Indian culture, but I am a, a Punjabi, like a Sikh, mm-hmm. belong to a Sikh family. So I do believe in my Sikh culture. So whenever I go to a PET scan, I do pray before going. And yeah, I just pray and hope for the best. And I just, you know, tell God that, you know, just take care of me and make sure everything is okay. And, you know. I should be I love blessed. that. 
Yes, so, you are blessed, yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. You are blessed. Yeah, yeah. So and I did have my PET scan. How to go? I did have my biopsy two days back of my right eye because they think that there is some kind of infection which they couldn't see in PET scan, but they have a doubt that it might be a reoccurrence. Mm. So I'm hoping to get answers by today or tomorrow. The PET mm -hmm. scan showed okay. There was some thyroid nodule which is active, which is very minor, but they mm. are doing some extensive testing, which is like ultrasound. But mm. yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are days where I'm like, you know, happy going out, chilling. And then there are days where I'm like sad, worried about the reoccurrence, uncertainty of my life, mm -hmm. how things have changed. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of Ayurvedic medicine. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I, I leaned into that and Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, um, after the second reoccurrence when I had thyroid cancer, um, and especially when I started writing my, my first book, a survivor story, and I have found so much help within that style of medicine, I really leaned into that. And honestly, it has helped me so much with my anxiety, with the fear, scanxiety, right? Scan when you're going into that. Yeah. Um, I like to meditate and pray before I go. I actually have my ultrasound for thyroid coming up in May. And I am like, okay, I, I've never felt better, to be honest. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you have some type of like routine or ritual before you go in because some yeah. people don't and fear definitely can take a hold on them. Yeah. Yeah. And fear can suck the life out of us. It sucks our soul yeah. dry. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure like, you know, the fear is always there. Like right. you know, being a cancer survivor and a cancer patient, we always get that fear and anxiety right. and anxiety. And you can't take that away, mm -hmm. but we have to overcome that. Have fear. to. Yeah. So have to. that's how we can live and survive. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And not only just survive, but thrive in life. We want to be able to. Yeah thrive yeah. baby thrive. we want to thrive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah actually we we need to thrive and you know not just survive but thrive <laughs> yes yeah. um so just out of curiosity right so you you've gone through all this adversity in life how have you taken that adversity right you started a blog so how has your life shifted in the sense of like what you were doing before and what you're doing now, right? Are you blogging? Do you, you know, have your own, you know, community in terms of like leading other cancer survivors or something through that? What are you leaning into right now that's helping you overcome that fear? Yeah. So as I said that, you know, Canada health system is quite different than what US has, right? So right. In my scenario, I've seen that there was maybe a late diagnosis, you know, going from zero to stage four in three months, you know, the health system, the emergency systems, the visits and stuff. So when I started writing my blog, I reached out to different communities like Lymphoma Leukemia Society, Canadian mm. Cancer Society, and YAC is a young adult cancer community in Alberta. Because I wanted to connect and see, you know, that connection. And I wanted to know what, where's the gap? And that's how, I, that's how I started with it. It's been last, 
I think it's been one year now. So I've been starting, you know, advocating on cancer for cancer patients regarding the health system, regarding the AYA cancer, like, you know, being an AYA, people don't realize that what you're going through. So right. yeah, I've just connected with a lot of communities, local cancer communities, and also in US, trying to spread the word out and, you know, and supporting and spreading awareness about AYA cancer too. And that's important. And I feel that everybody should advocate when it comes to their health, because oh we, advoc we advocated before cancer, because they were not ready to do any scans, they were not ready to do any blood works, they were not ready to do anything, they just thought that it's a viral fever. If we didn't advocate at that time, I think, I don't know what would have happened. So I, we, my husband and I, we advocated before, and now post-cancer, I'm still advocating, because after COVID, a lot of things have changed. Yep. A lot of treatments were delayed, the appointments were delayed for a lot of patients. So I think that's the one thing which I want to do, I want to bring that change in the system. I don't know how I can, but at least by spreading the word out, writing a blog, you know, talking about it on my social media, you know, blogging about it, posting things, it might help people out. If any one single person can get help out of it, I would be great. It absolutely will help. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep getting the message out there. Patient advocacy is so important. Yeah. And, you know, and also from like a preventative measure too, like let's before you get to stage four, you know, like you have to know, you have to understand the healthcare system, even though honestly, it doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> and you need to do your research. And yeah. I'm so glad that you had a support system because some people don't and they have no clue where to turn. Yeah. And this is where communities such as these nonprofit yeah. organizations like Stupid Cancer or, you know, Leukemia and Elephant Society, Magazine, Elephant. Yeah. Yes. Hey. And Team Magazine. I love them, by the way. I love I, them. I, I love them. I love writing for them. And Le I love yeah. that they incorporate the like Eastern medicine style where they have yoga and meditations. Yeah. yeah. And These programs really help patients like help. us. Like there is a program which I joined. It was cancer rehabilitation program after my treatment. It was through mm -hmm. a Wellspring program locally based. They had this meditation. They had this art and creativity class. I did all like the mandalas and stuff. So it, it, I love it. it really helped, you know? Yeah. And I just want to say like, you know, People who are going through cancer, they should, you know, communicate with their support groups, you know, join those support communities. It really helps because you need someone who understands you at that point of time, because there is time when you feel sometime that, you know, you need that kind of cancer connection in your life. Yeah. Who can, who can, you know, listen to you, who can understand you, who knows what you're going through, which I feel is really important. Absolutely. And especially with young adults going through cancer and stuff. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. Community is extremely important. And like when I first started with, for example, you know, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and Stupid Cancer, like being able to share my story, it was very healing for me. Yeah. And especially writing too. I just like ugh, when we were sharing our stories, I was bawling my eyes out. I was just crying. And it was so therapeutic while that yeah. was going on. 
Um, and to also know that you're not the only one out there. You're not the only one going through and we have to learn, you know, to thrive, right? Yes. You're going Mm -hmm. through the battle during active treatment, during, you know, cancer, it's going to be a different battle Mm -hmm. than after your treatment, post-treatment and in survivorship. And that's what I like to educate on is like, these are two different battles that you need to be able to really, and like you said, you weren't, you know, when I, I know when I was going through thyroid cancer, I was nowhere near ready to open up. It was kind of just like this mindset of like, yeah, warrior. I didn't want to even just like, I didn't want to acknowledge it. Death wasn't even in my mind. Cancer was not even in my mind. I'm like, no. So I really got my mental strong. But I, I didn't do the healing work after in terms of like the emotional healing. Emotional healing. And that was pivotal when I was going through. And so I'm really happy to say that, you know, sometimes like I, you know, we have our good and our bad days, but I'm so glad that I opened Pandora's box because it really helped me to be able to thrive in my health and my life, you know, after acknowledging the traumatic events that you go through yeah. when you know you're going through cancer yeah so true I mean that's what so that's the thing which I really want to go ahead and because I felt that in our Asian culture and community people don't want to talk about cancer people just don't think that cancer is a good thing to have and I went to India for five years after my treatment and stuff and I felt this too that they just don't want to discuss about it. And honestly, when I wrote some stuff and I posted some story and, you know, things on my social media, there were two, three people who reached out to me on DM me and they were through Asian Indians. And they were like, you know, uh, it's so good to see your story. And it's, you know, you just gave us so much, you know, the strength. And there were two, three people who just reached out and they shared their story to me. But they didn't want it to go out publicly and talk about it. Right. Because they feel that their family doesn't feel good about it. Mm. So Mm. in my, I don't know, in future, maybe I really want to build that community or safe space for our Asian culture or Asian community where people have a safe space to talk about it. I agree. I see that for you, girl. I see that. So I really want to build that kind of a community in near future where people like, Indians or Asians you know they have that safe space where they can talk about their journey and it stays in that you know room yes and so because I feel you need to open up you need to express yourself if not you know publicly maybe you know to someone you're close to absolutely and I think well I know that with that because when I started doing that too it was so cathartic and therapeutic all of the above and so much healing took place and it really did help me with the fear level of of you know cancer reoccurrence and yeah sometimes it'll pop up here and there but honestly I can say I'm at this point in life where I don't fear cancer I don't fear cancer reoccurrence but you know that comes with doing the work and we have to hold space for those people who are not ready to share their story yeah and I could so see you holding space for those people. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully so- one day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You just gotta, you know, when you're ready, yeah. you just keep doing what you're doing. Take yeah. that aligned action and know that all will be well. Um, 
And I'm, I'm so happy that you came on. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was a great conversation and, you know, I'm so glad maybe we meet someday. I'm, I'm hoping I might join stupid cancer this year. Yeah. I'm just crossing hoping, fingers. Yeah. Crossing fingers and God will see you at that. If I come there. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love your, I love your med, like the yoga programs you're doing. And I don't know if you are doing it. Like, are you willing to do it online everywhere? Like in Canada or. Oh yeah, I do Europe? it. Yeah, I do it all over. So like all the okay. virtual stuff that I do, yeah, pass it along to anyone okay. you think would cool. benefit. Come join. Oh my gosh, you would Yeah, I would it. definitely. Would yeah, it. definitely. Yes, I'll try and, you know, because I think there's a time gap, but yeah, we'll definitely see what works out to me because I checked it out and I was like, oh, I'll definitely check with you if you do it globally too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'll send you the information after. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, okay. So are there any words of wisdom you would like to leave the listeners before we sign off? Um, just wanted to say, keep your hopes high. I mean, you will get through it and I'm just, we just not need, we don't need to survive. We need to thrive. So yes. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) So where can people find you? I am on Instagram. So it's, uh, Nikki underscore thriver and i k k i underscore thriver and you can find me on instagram and my email address h a r j e e t k 17 at icloud.com beautiful thank you so so much i hope to meet you soon in the near future yeah um and anybody if you liked this episode like share subscribe And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you.